Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. I almost said good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, July the 5th, 2022. It is currently 2.07 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. And I, I know you may be asking, wait, where, where, where's the other intro music? I, I, I just don't think we can go with the epic intro music. I just don't think this, this calls for it because this is one of those situations where I, I, why, why, why am I in this situation? Why am I, why is this getting ready to happen? Why? That's all I can say. Why? Why me? How did I end up in this situation? And we could say, well, you ended up in this situation because you decided to take Charles Stanley's book, 30 Life Principles, and decide to do 30 scriptures in 30 days, trying to use the random scriptures that he just chooses out of context to try to prove a point that in many cases the the scripture doesn't actually match the point. You came up with that idea. You chose to do that. And and you know what? You're right. I, I, I take full responsibility for that. But why am I in this situation specifically today? You could say, well, you started this series, so that's why you're here today. But But on this particular day, On July the 5th, 2022, on this Tuesday, July the 5th, on the very day. Now, just remember the context here. If if you haven't been listening to this series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days, let me remind, or maybe you've been listening to this and you haven't been listening to the other things we've done. If you listen to everything, you'll, you'll understand. But let me just explain for those who may just be dropping in for the first time. Yesterday, We spent almost an hour and 30 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes almost. I think it was probably just a little short of that. Almost an hour and 30 minutes reviewing a sermon by Creflo Dollar talking about tithing and giving and money and just all kinds of issues related to that subject. Then today I turned on the microphone, spent one hour and 19 minutes continuing to review that sermon by Creflo Dollar, talking about money and giving and all of those types of things. So almost close to three hours, probably close to three hours of content dealing with money, tithing, giving, all of those kinds of concepts. All right. So, so you're like, all right, you've covered that. You've talked about that. Well, then today I'm like, okay, we're getting close to finishing this series, 30 scriptures in 30 days. We're getting close. We're getting close. So I thought, you know what? I'll just go ahead and look and see what the uh, principle is and what the scripture is for today. So I grabbed my Kindle app, I opened it, and I'm like, wait, what? No, 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 it, no, it can't be about that. No, no, come on. I just spent basically three hours talking about many of the issues related to this, and now I'm going to have to spend more time talking about this same issue, maybe slightly in a different direction. Maybe there'll be some some added content here. Who knows? What what can I add to the discussion that hasn't already been talked about? What can I do with this? And I just sat there and looked at it and thought, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Do I do I skip this one and just go to another one and then say, hey, today we arrive at Day 23, scripture number 23, but we're not going to use the one that's really supposed to be 23. We're going to use number 27 as number 23, and then when we get to 27, 23 will be, I guess I could have explained all of that, or I could just change it and you wouldn't know, 
But I'm like, no, I said we're going to go through all 30 and we're going to go, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to make it all the way to the end one way or the other. And I'm just going to go with what comes next. Whatever, whatever challenge it presents, that's what I'm going to deal with. So I think in a roundabout way, here's how I'm going to approach it. Now, now I, I, I am, listen to me. I think this is important. So much of your Christian life is trying your best to, to allow the theoretical concepts that we know, the theology that we know, the theology we learn. It's, I, I think we spend our entire Christian life trying to take all of these things we learn, all of these concepts, all of these, these theological concepts that sometimes are very theoretical and trying to get them from the theoretical, trying to get them from the theology textbook into our everyday life, right? It's, it's so good to have the concept in your mind. It's so good to have the verse memorized. It's so good to have the, the best exegetical understanding of a text. It's far different than getting it from theory to practice, right? So in this particular case, I'm facing a situation that I don't like. I'm facing a situation that I thought about maneuvering around so that I could get past it because I don't really want to sit here and talk about this subject. But then it made me think about this. Are you familiar with these words? God the good creator of all things in his infinite power and wisdom doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence to the end for which they were created according unto his infallible knowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. Simply put, that well, that comes from the London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 5 of Divine Providence. That's paragraph 1. Basically, this is what we have to understand. God works all things according to his will and pleasure for his glory. God works all things according to his will, according to his plan, according to his pleasure for his glory. So I could look at this as a massive irritant, a massive nuisance, right? I mean, like, do I want to talk about what I've already talked about? Do I want to have to do with a life principle dealing with giving and money when I've spent three hours already talking about that? I mean, what do I hope to gain from this? I could skip it. I could, I mean... There, there are so many things I could do here or attempt to do, but maybe I see this as, well, God's providence. God's, God and his providence has, I mean, I mean, what are the chances that today, after doing three hours of the other, or close to three hours, I would open up a book randomly to just the, the very next chapter that we're supposed to cover, and it's on the exact same topic? I mean, what, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? So I have to believe somehow it's God's providence, even though I don't like it. I don't. Do you always like the way things work out? I don't. I don't. But it's, see, it's not about my good pleasure and my will. It's not about my glory. It's about his. So I, even though this is a small thing, it's just a minor irritant. It's just a nuisance. It's just going to make me feel like that no matter what I do with this, everyone's going to be like, Really? You're going to have to, you talked about that. You know, you spent all day talking about that. You know, your podcast was boring. You know, I, I think I'm going to find another podcast. You just talked about the same, you know, 
I, I didn't like it. There, there's a chance I'm going to get people to say, I, you know, I wish you would have just done something else. And I understand. I wish I would do something else. But I'm going to see it as an just a small, 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 insignificant example of just going, here's, God, here's this concept of God's providence. And now I'm faced to, do I, do I accept it? Acknowledge it? Go along with it? Do I try to try to get work around it? And even if I worked around it, when then God would know that was going to, we can get into all kinds of theoretical and philosophical and theological discussions there. But I'm just going to say it was God's providence that today for day 23, scripture number 23, and our ongoing series, 30 scriptures in 30 days, this is where we're supposed to be today. This is where we're supposed to be at 2.16 p.m. Central Time. This And if you're listening to me live, this is where you're supposed to be and I don't know what's going to come from it, but whatever it is, is whatever happens, and we're going to make the most of it. So are you ready? Okay, so just a quick reminder. Many, many, many years ago, Charles Stanley wrote a book called 30 Life Principles. In that book, he gives us 30 principles, and then he takes those principles and attaches them to, to 30 passages of Scripture. What I have concluded, I cannot be dogmatic that this is true, but this is how I feel, is that he came up with the principles first, right? He came up with the principles and then just imposed them on random text of scripture that in many cases do not support the principles. Does it, in fact, in some cases contradict the principles that they're supposedly attached to? I've always had a problem with the book, but I've always wanted to do something with it, get get the most out of it. So I came up with this crazy idea. Guess what? We'll, we'll, we'll open up the book each day, just randomly. The next day, just open it. Say, here's the principle, here's the scripture, set aside the principle and see what we can do with the scripture in real time, with no prep, just in real time, trying to work through it. And I'm doing it that way and attempt to get you actually from, uh, you know, just being a passive listener to be an active participant. And you're trying to figure it out in real time with me. Crazy idea. I've regretted the idea probably 15 times so far, but... I started it, I'm going to finish it, and now we have the obstacle of day 23, scripture number 23, principle number 23. Are you ready? I hope so. I hope something in that introduction will be beneficial and helpful. Here we go. Here is the principle as, pl- as found in Charles Stanley's book, 30 Life Principles for Life Principle Number 23. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Now, clearly, just hearing that principle, just hearing that principle tells me, okay, tells me that this is going to be about giving. It's going to have something to do without money. And according to Charles Stanley, the principle is you can never outgive God. Now, I'm just going to stop right here and, and I'm going to borrow a little bit from what I said in the, in the previous discussions about Creflo Dollar. Whenever it comes to ministry, pastors, churches, any, anything like that, missionaries, anyone talking about money, I... I I don't like it. It just feels, it always feels like corrupt. It feels dirty. It feels tainted because no, 
No matter what we say, we have to realize just how it comes across. Just, 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 I'm going to try to take this principle and apl- apply it in a principle, uh, uh, apply it like if I was preaching a sermon or how I would hear sermons preached. You've probably heard sermons preached in a similar way. This morning, we're going to be talking about stewardship. We're going to be talking about money. We're going to talk, be talking about you investing into the kingdom of God how you demonstrate if you love God or if you love this world more. And that's going to be determined by how you manage your money and what you do with your money. Do you give your money and dedicate that money to the furtherance of the kingdom of God? Or do you dedicate it to the furtherance of your own lifestyle and your own good and your own pleasure? What do you love more? Right? That's, see, that sounds all super spiritual. But see, it's always about what do you do with your money? And of course, somehow it's going to be implied that your money, or at least some of it, needs to come to us, to our church, to our ministry, to donate to us. And if you don't see the possible conflict there, I don't know what else to say. So then they will say, look, you need to be willing to give because you cannot outgive God. So this morning, you can't outgive God. You give. God will supply. God will meet your needs. But you give. You give as an act of faith, as an act of demonstrating your dependency upon God, as we talked about in our review of Creflo Dollar's message. And it all sounds so super spiritual, but just think again what it sounds like. Hey, you can't outgive God. Give us money. God will provide for you. Well, by that concept, well, if God's going to provide for them by giving us giving me or your church or my ministry their money, then why can't I just say, I don't need your money. God's going to provide for us. Isn't it weird? Like God's, God's going to provide to you after you give us your money. But well, why couldn't God just provide with me for me to me without your money? It's it just, it's so, there's just so many logical issues with some of this stuff. Now, I understand giving is called for in the New Testament. It obviously, it was called for in the Old Testament. Clearly, there's principles about giving. I understand all of that. It's just any preaching on it is always the emphasis is on God will provide, but it's always he will provide for you after you give us your money. And it just seems so in this case, you can't out give God. So, so what scripture do they provide here? We're going to set aside his principle for a minute, and we're going to look at the scripture. Oh, boy. All right. I, I just, I don't know which direction this is going to go. This is always the nerve-wracking part. All right, here we go. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, Creflo Dollar was going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and he decided to skip this and told his church to read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I'm going to read this from another translation. See, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I'm going to go to the same passage. The same passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Reads it this way. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. 
Now, we're, we're going to have to work a little bit through just what to do with that. I mean, obviously, once again, Charles Stanley just rips these verses so far out of context. You're like, okay. Now, th- there's no question this section, 2 Corinthians uh, 9, has something to do with giving and money. There's no question about it, but we'll, we're, we're just going to see. So I'm going to do a little bit of borrowing from the Life Principles book and just see. I don't know where we're going to end up, but by the time this is over, hopefully something hopefully something beneficial will have occurred. I don't know. I just, mm, I struggle with so much of this. Here we go. Giving, this is what they say in the Life Principles book, giving is an aspect of discipleship that pastors are generally hesitant to talk about and believers are are actually less than enthusiastic to learn. Now let's stop right here. I do believe giving is an aspect of discipleship. I do. But I believe giving is an aspect of discipleship in this way. The key elements of discipleship is you denying yourself, dying to yourself, and no longer following yourself. I think giving is where you begin to exercise, you begin to practice. It's a, it's an, it's a very fundamental first step in denying self and den- dying to self. When I have money and I give it to something else, I'm denying something that I want. I'm dying to something that I want to do for me. So I think it is a, an elementary and fundamental step in discipleship. I think it's there. I think it's very instrumental in working on that. There's no question about that. Now, he says pastors are generally hesitant to talk about. I don't know if pastors are generally hesitant to talk about or not, because every church has their, you know, fundraising campaigns, their stewardship camp. There's almost every year it's going to come up. I don't think that they find it pleasant to talk about because they know it is I think everyone should, here's the way I I think it should work. I think every church, I, I, I stated this earlier, but I'll state it again. I don't want to just repeat everything I've said earlier, but this is what, this is where, this is where we are today. We just got to make the most of it. Um, I think when pastors or ministries talk about it, we just have to be very willing to acknowledge the duplicity, the, the conflict of interest in this, right? Hey guys, for your spiritual good, for your discipleship, you need to give money, to us, to this church, to this ministry, right? So, so you'll benefit spiritually. We will benefit materially. I like you. Just kind of have to just say, guys, this looks like a conflict. This looks. Du- I understand there's duplicity in this. It just doesn't look right. I think we have to just start with acknowledging that. I, I because there's that's there's no way to get around what it looks like. And I do agree that many believers are, are less than enthusiastic to learn. I don't think a lot of Christians, I don't think anybody wants to learn about, hey, wait, you're telling me I need to give money for this reason? I think everyone, I, I think, I think, no, I, I would hope no one likes doing it, but I, I just feel like there has to be a different way of approaching it. But let's see where, where, where they go with this. For some reason, the topics of tithing, and generosity strikes us too personal to discuss and are often difficult to turn over to God. We're eager to receive God's blessing, yet we're hesitant to obey him with the gifts that he's given us. Now, again, it's it's always easy for a ministry to say, you know, we're hesitant to obey God in giving, we're, or you're hesitant to obey God in giving. But it always somehow circles back to, hey, guys, 
you need to obey and your obedience means we get more money. And I just, I struggle, I struggle with that so much. I struggle with it so much, so much. They say this, uh, they go on to say, this is due to a lack of trust and the refusal to acknowledge God's ownership of all that exists. Hey guys, the reason you don't want to give is a lack of trust and you refuse to accept God's ownership of everything. And God owns your money and he wants you to give some of your money to us. Again, you don't hear how that sounds. Now they always try to find a way to see it in a maybe in a slightly more subtle way, but there's still this underlying implication from it. That's, they go on to say, that's why. Life principle number 23 teaches you can never outgive God. God is loving and full of grace. So when he commands us to let go of our wealth and resources, it is for a good reason. Yeah, it's always a good ministry. He's always say it's a good reason that God wants you to give up your money so that this church will have more money, so that the pastor can actually get paid. No matter how we cover this up, there's like an elephant in the room, right? There's like, do you see it? I see it, I see it. It's like, no, no, don't don't look at the elephant. Don't look at the elephant. Or it's almost like, don't, no, ignore the man behind the curtain. Everything is good. And I'm like, no, I think there's an issue here that we have to talk about. Um, he doesn't, he does not want, he does not want to deprive us. Rather, he wants to teach us to be more like him by making us into generous givers. As we learn to let go of our possessions, we find that we receive back from him above and beyond all that we've released. Oh man. Now this is where it gets very just fleshly in my, in my opinion, right? Man, I know I'm not going to make anyone happy with anything I say here. I just, Look, this is just, a, I'm just going to be honest. It's a subject I struggle with. And people are like, well, then how, how does it work in your church? Well, one, I didn't take a salary forever. Okay, now the church makes my house payment. I don't take anything else. But here's what I do. I, we don't even pass an offering plate. We, we don't pass an offering plate. I, in fact, I rarely even mention, I don't think I even mention anything most times. Sometimes after we're done singing, I'm like, Hey, greet one another, and if you have an offering, you can place it in the back. And I think that's about the most I say. But that that's kind of the way we just have, have done it. Now, but see, it's easy for me to act all spiritual. I, I got to be honest here. It's easy for me to act spiritual, which is self-serving if I, if, I'm, if I come across that way. Because if I was in a situation where, look, man, okay, guys, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to support I, I'm trying to support things here. I'm trying to do what I need to do. I've got bills to pay. I got things to do. I need I need money to live. Well, then guess what? I I, I, w- I would be a little bit harder to just go. You know what? I'm not going to mention money. I'm not just going to mention. I'm not going to ever mention money. Not you know. Not now. I will mention money when I come across a passage that teaches it. But I'm not going to have a special focus once a year on stewardship. I'm not going to do that because again, it feels self-serving. But if I was in a situation where my, you know, look, I can't live without it. I, 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 would I be more, I don't know. How do you operate in that situation? It's so just, uh, all right. But, but here, here's what I want you to hear. So on one hand, I can come across more spiritual. So I understand that if I put myself in a situation where I, I need the church to live, like I, you know, 
if I'm going to have medical insurance, anything, I'm going to need the church. I, I need the church. I need the church. I need money. I need money. And and that's the thing. Uh, when pastors have to have a full-time salary where they can, you know, put their kids through school and, and be able to pay for a car and all the different things, it requires a salary that's, that's livable, a livable wage, or it becomes a major, or they have to become bivocational, which can be extremely detrimental on a, on a, on a family and on a life. It, it can be, it, I mean, there's lots of issues to consider here, but here's where I have a problem. So if I was in that situation, I would be tempted to be more, I don't even want to say fleshly, just more focused on maybe how to make this work. But here's where I get a little nervous. When we say things like this, God wants to make you a generous giver. And as you learn to let go of your possessions, you're going to find that you're going to receive back from God above and beyond what you've released. This starts sounding, sounds like some kind of a financial money-making scheme. All right, here's what you've got some possessions, right? What do you have in your hand? Well, you have $10. If you'll release of that, you're going to get back more. So it's almost the implication. You'll get back 20. You'll get back 30. You'll get back 40. Now, some will say, no, no, no. There's no guarantee you're going to get back money, but there's always this implication that you're going to get back more than you. Like if you give up, if you've got $50 and that's all you have, you give that up, God's going to meet your needs above and beyond what you released in some way, shape or form. And that just becomes like, am I giving because of spiritual discipline so that I can deny myself? Or am I giving with the concept and the idea and the trust that I'm going to get back more than I gave up? Doesn't that destroy denying self? Because it looks like you're giving to provide for yourself. It looks like you're giving to get something for yourself. Here's what they do. They go to Acts chapter 11. We're just going to have to walk through this. We're just going to have to walk through this. We're just going to have to walk through this. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem. This is Acts chapter 11, verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciple, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now, here is a biblical example of there was a need and the people gave in order to meet that need. Now, I think this is an important principle. It definitely, I think, is a biblical concept that God has a tendency to meet the needs of some by the generosity of others. I, I, I think that's fair, that there is a biblical principle that God meets the needs of some by the generosity of others. Now, how that all, I, I, I just think that that's fair, because time and time again, there's these situations where, hey, this is the situation, these people have need, 
and then people gave to help meet that need. So it is clear, I think it's a biblical concept, that in many cases, God meets the needs of others through the generosity of some, or through the generosity of some, the needs of others are met, however you would like to word it. I'm not writing this down as a principle, but I just think that this is a, a concept we have to understand. Now, again, in my mind, I'd be like, well, if God's the one meeting the need, well, why doesn't God just meet the need? Because why is the God meeting the need of them by me giving them money? Well, but then who's going to meet my need? It just seems like a weird way of it working, but I think there's enough biblical support for this. There's, there's countless examples where, hey, here's the situation. Guys, give as you can, give as you need, and then that need will be met. So I wonder, in giving, not only is it a discipline of self-sacrifice, I wonder that in giving, it's a discipline of placing others before yourself. Not only are you denying yourself in giving, you're thinking of someone else other before yourself, right? I'm very, I'm painfully aware of this, that anytime I open up my email, I'm like, oh, we just received another donation, you know, through PayPal. I will look and go, man, that person denied themselves and that person placed the need, the, the, the finances for this ministry above them. That is a spiritual discipline. I do agree there's spiritual discipline in it. So I think it's biblical to say, at least Acts 11 is one example, where, hey, the generosity of some is used to meet the needs of others. They go on to say this, why did the disciples find it necessary to send aid to the believers in Judea, and more specifically, to the church in Jerusalem? Well, if you look at Acts 11, verse 28, we'll read it one more time. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified the spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. That word dearth, if you read it in another translation, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, if I can find it, Acts chapter 11, where is it? All right. Um, I'll just start in, in I'll just start in verse uh, twenty seven. Acts eleven, verse twenty seven. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. Hey, there's going to be a famine, guys, and that and the people, those who are going to be affected by the famine, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be supported by the generosity of some. So the 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 needs of others is going to be met. God is going to meet the needs of others through the generosity of some. That's that's kind of, there's a, there's a biblical formula in the way this works, right? God uses some, your generosity, to meet the needs of others. And hopefully in that transaction, not that you're guaranteed you're going to get more materially, but what you get is an exercise of self-denial, dying to self, not following self, and placing others before yourself. All key elements in the biblical Christian life. So giving becomes what you receive in return is the exercise of spiritual disciplines to help you grow. It's not that you're going to necessarily receive more back financially, and sometimes it's put forth that way that I think is misleading personally. Right? They go on to say, read 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. So they go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, this is uh, another passage that Creflo Dollar told his church to read. He did not read it to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affection, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desire Titus, uh, that has, he had begun, so he would uh, also finish in you the same grace also. So here they talk about the, basically the giving of the Macedonian church, their liberality, their giving. Again, there was giving by some, the generosity of some, to meet the needs of others. This seems to be a part of the biblical concept of the way God meets the needs of some through the generosity of others. That may be even a better way to state it. But the, the needs of others are typically met by the, by, by the generosity of some. Right? Or you can say God works through it this way. And I, I don't I wish it didn't work this way. You know, I wish that God would just like, I'll just take care of your needs. But no, sometimes God take cares, uh, cares, takes care of your needs through the generosity of others. This is, they give a little background here. God sent Paul to the Macedonians during his second missionary journey. And this letter to the Corinthians was written during his third missionary journey. A few years later, Paul couldn't have known what an immense blessing the Macedonian church could be to him and to the church in Jerusalem, but God did, right? And I, I think that's important that so, so many times the needs of some, right, is met by the generosity of others, okay? Um, the, Corinthians, the Corinthians had pledged to give the church in Jerusalem but had not yet fulfilled their promise. So some had given, and then the, those in Corinth failed to give, and we could look at some more passages here, but that, there becomes an issue here. Now, um, they'll give a little bit more context here. I'll just read it here. Along with the famine, Acts eleven twenty seven through 30, there were other factors affecting the poor in Jerusalem. Many believers were disowned by their families and community, losing their ability to support themselves. This led to the pooling of resources, which were soon spent. Uh, we see this in Acts 2.44, Acts 4.34. There were also many widows that needed to be supported, Acts chapter 6, as well as missionaries that were being sent out. To make matters even worse, the people were being taxed by both Jewish and Roman authorities, which meant that it was nearly impossible to produce enough to live on. However, through all these financial troubles, God was teaching the Gentiles, believers, to show his love to others. And he was also showing Jewish believers that they could trust the Gentile Christians. In other words, God was uniting the church that was divided by culture and distance only as he could. Right? Now, they offer, and well, they don't, they don't really do much more. <laughs> they, they don't really do much more with this. I mean, they, 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 they. They, they don't really do much with the actual scripture. Remember, the actual scripture is this. Let me read it again. I'm going to go back to the actual scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 
where it just says this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. All right, they, it's just weird. They go everywhere else. I don't even really look at the immediate context of 2 Corinthians 9. It's so weird how these books are, are designed. It's like, here's the scripture, but we're going to ignore all the verses around it because we're going to go over to Acts and we're going to go here and we're going to go here. We're going to actually, we're going to go to a different chapter. And it's like, well, wait, what, what, what's actually hap- happening here? I'm going to go to the, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in a different translation. And then we're going to build on the context here and see what we can do with this. All right. Second Corinthians chapter nine. I'm going to go back to verse one, since verse eight is supposedly the key verse here. Here we go. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty so that you would be ready just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in their situation. Therefore, I consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promise so that we'll be ready as a gift uh, not as an extortion. All right, so hey, guys, you said you were going to give. You haven't give. This this can be very embarrassing, but I want, it, I want you to give as you promised, and I want you to be ready with the gift, not as an extortion. I want you to be ready. I want you to be willing to give as you promise. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may, be, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteous endures forever. All right? So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? I, I guess so, it's just so weird. The book just really doesn't even, why, do, why did he pick that verse and then just ignore it? It makes no sense. Here's what I know. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to at least try to come, come up with a couple of things here. All right. I may write a principle. I'm going to may write some principles down. I, mean, I know this kind of goes against some of this, but I think this is such an important concept that we need to at least talk about it because I think there's so much misunderstanding here, all right? We're going to go to, it'll be principle number 39 or number one for today, all right? Are you ready? We're, again, we're working on this in real time. All right, it, it, would, it would sound, These episodes would sound far different if I had a room full of people and we were like talking it through. It may actually be better that way, but if if I just tried to do this once a week at church, it would take forever to get through all 30. So that's why I haven't, and it wouldn't be, you know, every single day. So we've done this every day in a row. So it, 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 it bothers me that I, I wish in some case there would be people because you would hear us going back and forth and talking it out and then it, it would be good. But that's all right. You, you just have me talking to myself. All right, here we go. 39. Giving 
is a spiritual discipline designed giving is a spiritual discipline designed to designed to lead us to self-denial uh i'm going to i'm going to put self-denial dying to self not following self and placing others before self giving is a spiritual discipline designed to lead you to lead us to self denial or we could say denying self to dying to self to no longer following self and placing others before self giving is a is not you don't give to get you give because the spiritual benefits that are derived from it's a discipline it is a discipline i, I i'm going to say the very first thing i'm going to make this argument and my, and you may disagree with this but i'm going to throw it out there i think the first thing god gave us to begin to combat and to fight against our sinful nature is the act of giving and acts in uh, genesis 3 you have the fall genesis 4 what the very first thing we see people doing is they're going to give a sacrifice they're going to give an offering now that sacrifice and off, an offering, I know it was designed. I know it was designed to point to Christ. I'm not denying that. But that's the first act that we see happening after the fall uh, in Genesis 4, after the punishment and all of that is handed down. And I think the very first thing God gave us is because this fights against our sinful nature. What does our sinful na- nature want? Self-pleasure, self-desire, self-will, self-self-exaltation, self-self-self-self-giving is an absolute attack upon that. When you give it, you're, you're, you're placing somebody else before you. You're denying yourself. You're dying to self. You're not following self. And, and the fight against self is the never-ending fight of the Christian life. The, when people talk about what, and, and, and as a Christian, we're involved in a war. We are. And the first war is the war against yourself. Because that's self is the very thing that derails your Christian life. It's the very thing that will destroy you. Self is the thing that will destroy you in the Christian life. Giving is the fight against it. It's the fight against it. And it can be, and let me make it, it can be something as simple as you're, you're at work, man. Let's just, just picture this scene. You're at work, man. You got there, you, you're running late this morning and man, you're starving. You're starving because you weren't able to stop get breakfast because you couldn't be late. You get to work. Nobody has any food. You're like, oh man, I'm starving. I can't wait to get to lunch. Can't wait to get to lunch. Okay. I got, I got $15 here. I got $15. Can't wait to get to lunch. Can't wait to get to lunch. I, I need some food. I'm starving. I'm starving. And then someone, you see someone over there and you realize that they, they talk about, man, I don't have any money for lunch today. Man, I, I wonder if it, does anyone have any money I could borrow? Now, you know, if you hand them your $15, you're going without lunch. You know, you're going to go without lunch. You know it. Now, you could say, I, I know I don't have any money you, to borrow. And that would not be completely dishonest because, well, you need money to eat. 
But by taking that money out and walking over them and saying, here's not just $5, but you give them all 15, you just denied self, you just died to self, you're no longer following self, and you just placed them before self. Wow. That's not easy to do when you're starving. That is not... That That is, nobody wants to do that. Nobody likes to do that. Everyone would, would find a way out of doing that. I think we have to see the, the spiritual aspects of giving. But now we can't deny. Now, I, now it's easy for me, see, now I, 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 it's easy for me to say this. This is, again, a theoretical concept, but I cannot deny the possible conflict of interest, right? Because I can say, hey, guys, if you give, it's a spiritual discipline. So that you will learn and it will lead you to it will lead you to self-denial, dying to self, not following self, and putting others before self. Now, I would just like to remind you that the Theology Central podcast is supported by the generous giving of those listening. You see how that would be self self-interest, self-serving? So I can't deny the inevitable conflict there. So that's why I try to use a different illustration. And, and a situation just like that. It's, it's not easy to do. Okay, maybe maybe you, you've got, you know, just three or four dollars left. And you're like, man, oh, as soon as I get a break, I'm going downstairs to the vending machines. I'm getting me whatever whatever candy you like and whatever drink you want. Like, that's what I'm, and then someone's like, man, guys, anybody got a couple of dollars I could borrow? I do, but I don't, right? Because I, I want, I need a, okay, all right, here we go. I'll just have to wait till I get home. All right, here you go. Oh, oh, <laughs> this, like, they, you know how painful that is? I was like, oh, I, I, I wanted something so bad. I wanted some. okay, okay, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Or you just, you already know what they like to drink. You already know what they, they like, they love to eat. And you're just like, okay. You don't even say anything. You just go down to the vending machines. You buy their drink. You buy their snack, and you take it back, and you lay it on their desk without them even knowing who did it, and you just walk away. You don't get anything from it. You don't even get a thank you. You don't even get noticed, but they get something. You know how hard that is to do? Okay, may, may, some of you are like, man, it's not that really. That, see, it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. Okay, well, then you're far a lot, more, a lot further along the spiritual path than yours truly. That's why I say that I'm just a sinner behind a microphone because I'm not, I don't have all of this figured out. There's times I've been able to pull this off. There's times that I haven't. All right, now, here comes the question. If we go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and I don't, I've tried not to end any of these episodes like I do with Bible study exercises where I'm like, okay, guys, here you go. I'm just going to hand it to you, but I may have no choice with this one. All right, here we go. I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Here we go. What? All right, yeah, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, 
Let's go back to verse 7. I, I think we, we were going to read through all of this. I, I don't know if we made it all the way through it. Let's go, I'm just going to go back to verse 1 and go through this all again and get us back. No, we read it. We read it all. All right, I'm going to go back to verse 7 here. All right? Um, I'm going to go back to verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his own heart, so let him give not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Okay, so we're not to give. Um, this gives a basic concept here. You give as you purpose in your own heart. You're not to give grudgingly or out of necessity, but to do so cheerfully and willingly. That, that, that the New Testament giving is a willing giving. It's not a legalistic. It's not law-based. It's gospel-based. And then it says, um, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The other translation says it this way. Um, says it this way. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Now, now, the way some people read this kind of idea is you give. If you give, then boom, you're going to get back. 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 And that God's going to meet all of your needs and all of these things are going to be taken care of. I, the, the problem is this becomes like a very weird financial transaction. It's almost like an investment program, right? See, if I give, then I'm going to get back. And I, is, is that, have we so reduced this to a materialistic perspective? Yes, God will, as it says here, I'm going to go back to the verse, to make every grace overflow to you, and that in every way, always having everything you need may excel in every good work. Now, when you say you're going to get, the is this the concept that, hey, if you're a believer, you give, and you're going to have everything you need? Well, there are believers in third world nations who are starving to death. They're, they're, I mean, I, I do believe this. God will, God definitely gives us everything we need spiritually, right? He gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us a righteousness that is not our own. We are, our salvation is secure. We have the Holy Spirit making intercession for us. We have an advocate with the Father. We can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I am. Just when this verse talks about what God is going to do for us, this idea I'm going to just, I keep reading it over and over. God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Do we, do we review, do we understand that in a very materialistic way or is this in some kind of a spiritual way? And it says, as it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor, his righteous endureth forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your, but see, then it says and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I'm not, I'm not going to try to pull from this a principle. I'm not, I'm not going to try to pull from this a principle. I'm going to, uh, because I, 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 I'm still struggling with this because it, it, it's so easy and I've heard it preached so many times. It's, it's kind of been just beat into my brain throughout Christianity 
is that, hey, look, you give. You give freely. You give cheerfully. You give willing, you, willingly. You do this, okay? And you're going to reap. You're going to reap and and some kind of, like, you're going to reap far more than you could have ever sown. You do so and you're going to get. God's going to meet you and, and provide for you and do all these things for you. But it's always reduced to the most materialistic way of understanding it. Like, again, like it's a financial investment. Hey, you give this much and then you're going to get back this much. And I don't know if, if every, is everything there, are we reducing it to a material return when we should see it more in a spiritual return? Now, I can already, and in in, in the point that I did give, I think I've already established, we give as a spiritual discipline, which leads us to self-denial, dying to self, no longer following self, and putting others before self. That's all spirit. By doing that, there are spiritual gain, spiritual growth that occurs, that is what we gain from giving. I don't know if I could say if I give, then there's some financial transaction that results in me getting. One, if that's true, that's because of my own, let's say that is true. That's going to corrupt the giving. That's going to turn the giving into a fleshly endeavor. Like I'm going to give to you because, well, I know I'm going to get back. Well, that, that just turns it into a fleshly transaction. It's one thing like, hey, I, I'm going to give you my $15 for, for you to have lunch today, right? But by supper time or by tomorrow or by next week, my $15 is going to turn into 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 or 200. Well, then it's, am I really sacrificing anything? Am I really denying self? See, if we teach it that way, then I don't know if, I think we're destroying the spiritual discipline of it and it becomes nothing more than a financial a financial investment scheme but at the same time i don't want to ignore the words of second corinthians 9 there i'm just going to leave it there and you can tell me what you think you can struggle with it today you can struggle with it today but there's just some of the language there just is so the language in many cases just seems to not be pointing to, towards a, a, a materialistic return. God is able to make grace abound towards you. Um, the, always having all sufficiency and all things that you may abound to every good work. See, that sounds like spiritual. And then as it is written, he hath, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remain, remaineth forever. Back to righteousness. And then, now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministered bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Now that seems to kind of come back to a material, but then it says, increase the fruits of your righteousness. It, it seems to come back to a spiritual thing. You can tell me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Well, Providence put us here (laughs) to talk about what we've already spent three hours talking about. It also put me in a position to try to, well, figure it out in real time. I don't know if I've given you any definitive answers other than I am 100% convinced that giving is a spiritual. I am 100% convinced that giving is a spiritual discipline to try to lead us to these spiritual benefits. 
because the, the, the sacrificial offering, tithing, all of that is just given throughout the Bible to try to, I think it's there to try to fight against our sinful nature. And I think in the New Testament, we still have a giving system that is still there to develop that. It's, to, it's not going to fix it. It doesn't immediately eradicate the old, the old nature is still there, but it's to help fight against it. But I think if we're not careful, we corrupt that system to turning it into something fleshly, and then we forgo the spiritual benefits, or at least that's how I'm thinking about it. But you can tell me what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. And I would love to hear your thoughts. So let me know them. And uh, maybe, maybe at some point, well, maybe this, maybe this will flow right back over when we try to finish the reviewing the sermon by Creflo Dollar. Maybe some of this, maybe the conversation that comes from this will flow back over into that. And maybe before it's all said and done, who knows? Maybe you'll have changed your view on this topic. Maybe you've, who knows? I, whatever your thoughts are, I'd love to hear them. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless.